Hello, everybody, and welcome to Talking About the Big Stuff. I am Michael Cole. I am being Matthew Kravat. And we are Russian this week. I'm we Ukrainian, you mind. We have changed our mind about what we are. That is the topic and, today. And what we are is what we are, or you what you are, or what. Yeah. No, I just this uh, just felt like a I just felt like doing an accent. Yeah. No, I was t- okay. Up. So yes, I, and I baby, do, you're you're aware that I do voices, uh, and I do them a decent amount at work. Every once in a while, I'll pull out a Kermit or a, a Cleveland. Have you heard my Cleveland? Oh, I've heard your Cleveland. And uh, and I'll talk. I'll pull it out at work, and I got a friend at work, and she was like, "You know, you should really uh, go into voice acting." And I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know if you know this, but uh, I do a podcast. And she goes, I'm going to download it. Fine, I will let, I'll download it. I'm like, yeah, I've only been telling you for six weeks. Uh, you're a white guy in your 30s with a beard. Of course you have a podcast. <laughs> hey, you're a white guy in your 50s without a beard. So, so I've been dragged onto a podcast. Yeah. Kicking and screaming. Yeah. Speaking of kicking and screaming, I, have you ever seen that movie with Will Ferrell? Uh, that movie? Kicking and Screaming. Oh no, I didn't know there was a movie called Kicking and Screaming. Yeah, he plays he plays his son's cock uh, cocker. His son's cock. His, son, <laughs> his son's soccer coach. That'd be the coolest and thing. His son's cock is definitely going. He in. died <laughs> when his son was young, and he was reincarnated as his son's cock. This is a Patreon exclusive. Um, no, he played his son's soccer coach. And he ends up going up against his dad, who has a new son. So he's got his like half brother, and his dad's Robert Duvall, and and they're like, you know, they're like Logan's age, these kids, and they're putting them up against each other in soccer. And his dad is like a psycho, and Will Ferrell plays the Will Ferrell character basically, where he's like pretty lovable, kind of, you know, you know, like maybe we'll get some orange slices, kind of goofball. But then in order to compete with his dad, because his dad's been humiliating him his whole life he he goes and uh he goes a little nuts and goes over the top he hires mike ditka to be his assistant coach because mike ditka hates his dad and mike ditka obviously plays himself and there's like different points in the movie where at one point he's dressed up like mike ditka one point he's point he's dressed up in like this blue tiger suit and like jump the track suit and he's just being like every obnoxious coach you've ever seen and you know, I'm coaching Logan's baseball. And I kept telling, I was telling Sarah, I'm like, if I get roped into coaching again next season, every single week, I'm going to do a different, like famous coach at the game. I'll just show up. And, and I was like, I'll, you know, maybe I'll start off easy and I'll just mustache, just be Ted Lasso. You know, get the, get the, you're all goldfish. You're all goldfish. Keep swimming. Yeah. And so anyway, I have, um, I, by the way, I've watched the season, the, I've watched the season finale or se- season slash maybe potentially, finale. potentially serious. Yeah. Uh, loved it. Have not edited our episode yet where <laughs> you had me take my headphones off. So I still don't know what you said. So I'm still, I'm like, I was during the episode, I was like, does this apply to what we were talking about? And I just couldn't, I didn't pull it out. So I don't I'm, remember I'm what you were talking about now. So I don't remember what it was. It was it was it was one week ago, but it was four podcast episodes ago. <laughs> oh, so Sarah, so Logan used to love this vlogger, uh, Stephen Scherer, 
and he was like a he was he was a guy and he's like 22 23 and he he was a real goofball and like he's fine he was inoffensive he's a little like it's just grading you know how children's stuff can be and we watched this video this ridiculous video and he kept talking about days as i haven't seen them in four vlogs and he he was he was measuring time by vlogs and and so sometimes sarah and i will be like yeah you know it's been like four vlogs since we've had sex or whatever and uh and i'm like when i just thought about like yeah it's been one week since i've since we had that conversation but this is it this is the third or fourth episode that we've recorded since then because we're getting getting ahead also, Sarah's surprise. I haven't gotten ahead in like three vlogs. Although, to be fair, we don't have video on Patreon yet. Um, it'll only be the audio version of Patreon uh, for for right now because uh, you have to use Vimeo mm-hmm. for Patreon. And Vimeo is like 12, 12 bucks a month. And I'm like, once we start making the money that I'm not pulling out of my pocket for everything. Yeah. So that becomes you know a Patreon goal. When we hit this many yeah. patrons, we can afford to move to Vimeo and put video on Patreon. Exactly, a, a legit real goal. Yeah. So, yeah. That that was my thought. So, was, so it's funny as you talk about wanting to play different characters as the coach. Um, you've met my um my my, my brother in arms, my best friend Mikey, um, yeah. at my parties, if nothing else, and um, we were in the complete works of William Shakespeare abridged together, where all thirty-seven plays are done in ninety minutes, mm-hmm. and the major portion of the first act is Romeo and Juliet, and it's, it was really fun for me because I was the narrator, so I just sat and watched for most of it and, and then did little like rhyming pieces to cut, connect the scenes together while Mikey and Wade played all the other parts and they had to play everything. And similarly, when we did um, Hamlet, I played Hamlet and they played all the other parts. So, so it was kind of an easy, easy show for me, tough for them. Um, but when Mikey was playing the nurse in Romeo and Juliet, and it's a short, you know, Bit, bit of it every night he did it in a different character voice he did an impersonation of a different thing like he did schwarzenegger you know he just did something did walk christopher walk and he did something different every night because he's very good with his voice and then one night <laughs> we can there's a guy in the audience we can hear his laugh <laughs> and we recognize him as a regular performer at the theater who actually were while we were doing our last few rehearsals the next show that was coming up was rehearsing on the dance floor of the theater and we could hear his voice booming during their re- their table reads early on and it was pissing wade off in our group because wade wanted to be in that show and they wouldn't let him be in it because he would have had to miss two rehearsals because of the, our last two rehearsals and so and he was like i'm so much better than that guy and they cast him rather than just have me miss two rehearsals and yeah. the guy has a very distinctive voice because he talked like this always so mikey comes out with the poison as the nurse and he uh or as i'm sorry now when he was in there when he was doing the um the apothecary he was in the apothecary in a different voice every night so he comes out with the poison and he turns to wade as juliet and he goes ah juliet uh drink off this potion and presently thou shalt feel a cold and drowsy humor in your blood or something like that i don't remember the exact quote and Wade is playing Juliet as a half Valley Girl, half Southern Belle. And he goes, oh my, oh well, here I go, here goes nothing. Drinks it and says, oh, 
Oh no, suddenly I feel a cold and drowsy humor in my veins. And then Mike was like, uh, uh, I told you. And everybody laughs at the accent, including we hear that guy's laugh ho, 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 from the audience. And we're like, he's the only one who doesn't know. It. Like anyone who's related to the theater knew that we were doing him. He's the only one who didn't know. But nice. yeah, when, when I did like a DVD of the um, show for our own personal use, because we you know, I'll have to record it and sell it or anything like that because we don't know the rights, but there's three copies of it. I have it. Mikey has it. Wade has it. Four. Our director has it just for our own purposes. And I did like deleted scenes and show like every version that Mikey did of that with because uh, we improvised at least 10 or 15% of the show every night. Nice. Yeah. I was in a play senior year of high school, The Boys Next Door. It's a play about four mentally handicapped guys living in a home together. Um, and I played the most severely handicapped of the four. And there was a scene where we're supposed to be moving and like, basically we've s slowed down while someone is giving a monologue or something. So you're doing all your actions in slow motion and, um, every, I get bored. Like we had to like, just do your simple thing, whether it was like rocking back and forth in slow motion or whatever you had to do, you had to do it for like a solid, like three minutes of, <laughs> No, they didn't do that. Of uh, three minutes of, of monologue or whatever. So every single night I'd find something new to do. And I found one one day we're doing the um, it was a dress rehearsal and I have a stuffed animal. I have like a stuffed bear. And I put the bear on the floor. And I, in slow motion, start doing the paddles and I start giving them CPR. And and the director is losing his fucking mind laughing. And he's like, that's amazing. You're keeping that in. You're doing that every time. And I would get progressively more intense with it. Every single time I'd start like crying that we lost him. I would just like get so much more intense with it. And it was a competition show. We were, you know, because there was a Massachusetts high school drama festival. And that was our competition show. And and my dad came to see it and and he afterwards he was like the thing with the bear is hilarious <laughs> and but i was like i was it was it was amazing it was the first time i really remember making my dad like laugh and that it was awesome so anyway so what's anyway, our topic tonight uh our topic tonight will be <laughs> nepo babies nepo babies finally I, yep because we, if we plan for Nepo Babies, we'll never do Nepo Babies. So you just changed your mind, huh? I did change. No, we're going to talk about changing. <laughs> the ability to change your mind mm -hmm. is tonight's topic. Um, it's, I, I just think it's an important thing. I think that we, it, it kind of goes into a lot of topics we've kind of discussed in the past, whether it's intellectual curiosity um, I know you weren't on that episode. We, it was pre your And I didn't go back and listen to it. You, you should go back and listen to all the episodes. I'm not that curious them. about it. And I, well, I downloaded every single one. I downloaded every episode and let it play out so it would seem like I listened to it. Come on. Cool, cool. That's, I, what, I that's I, what I do usually. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm doing it on YouTube and my uh, my podcast player uh, so that I, we get both. But um, I just think that the idea of there is a certain level of pride or stubbornness around changing your mind and this idea of like, well, 
I, for some reason we get into the like, well, I, I didn't want to, and I get it when you're a kid, but you get into this idea of like, I didn't want to do it. So I'm not going to do it. And, you know, um, I was, you know, Sarah, one of Sarah's best friends, and she will admit this. She's really good about admitting this eventually. But like, if I told her like, oh, you should go to Mamma Mia Pizza. That's your favorite pizza place, right? Mamma no. Mia Pizza. We've, 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 it's, it's been downgraded by, but because some place opened up a little closer where the owners are from the Bronx, and it's like being in the damn Bronx when you walk in the place. Okay. Mamma Mia is still great. It hasn't gotten worse. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Mezzaluna yeah. is Mezzaluna. Okay. Good to know. I needed another pizza place suggestion. But um, if we told her, oh, you got to go to Mezzaluna or you got to go to or Mamma Mia, she'd be like, ah, uh, I've already decided I don't, I don't like it. So I'm I don't, not gonna go. I don't think I'm going to like it. And, and, she, and it would go on for two, three, four years. And then she'll be at something where someone brought it for a party or something. And she's not going to not eat it there. And she would try it. And then there's a period of, no, I always liked this. I always knew I would like this. And then eventually, because I am I can call people out sometimes. I get away with certain things that other people don't get away with. And I'll call her out and I'll be like, you fought me on this for years. And and I, and I she, she'll be like, yeah, I did. I don't know why. She, didn't, she did not. She refused to watch Star Wars until her husband made her hmm. eventually, like years into their marriage. And now she loves Star Wars. And, and, and so she's a good example of someone who eventually does. It takes way too long. And sometimes when I'm calling, when I'm telling her, hey, you should watch this or you should try this. And she's like, eh, I don't think I'm going to do that. I'm like, you will eventually do it three years from now. Just skip the process. And that is where I get into to it with people. I'm like, if you, if you realize, like, why can't you just, like, bypass it? If I go, oh, you know what? I do do that thing. I shouldn't do that thing right now. I should just try it. And, and I think changing your mind is really big in, in that mental space of I've made up my mind on this thing and that is all I need to know about it. And you can, you know, and, and it happens with all kinds of, all different kinds of things. I think I learned that lesson at 15. That's the first time I can remember really having an experience that stuck with me on that. And it was when um, Piers Brosnan's TV show Remington Steel premiered which was like the month or so before I turned 15. Because I, I remember that my dad had been watching it for a couple of weeks, saying it's the best show on television. You would love this show. It's right up your alley. And for some reason, I had decided that, no, I was not going to like it. You know, I don't want to watch this stupid show. And it was just after my birthday. I got, my, I got a, you know, not a birthday party, but like a bunch of us went out for pizza, whatever, my birthday, and people were talking about it. I'm like, my friends like the show? So, And, and I know it just had been out for a couple of weeks. It was only a couple of episodes. And so... The next episode I watched with my dad and I fucking loved the show. I'm like, he's at this sarcastic, smart ass, you know, in charge of like, I don't know why I related, but I, I loved it. And I, so that was a big step for me of, you know what? I shouldn't dig my heels in when someone else says something's good. And it's, somebody else. Mm-hmm. so that's not universal for all changing mine, but that was a, that's what I remember distinctly that I shouldn't prejudge a TV show. And then I kind of followed up years later, um, not that many years later, seven years later, when um, Batman, the movie, came out with Michael Keaton. And like everybody else on the planet, I had prejudged Michael Keaton as being a crappy Batman because he's a foot too short. He's not muscular. He's just he's a comedy guy. There's no reason he should be good at this. And then Michael Keaton was a damn good Batman. And yeah. seeing it, you know, at, at, when I saw it, and I, um, that's when I said, you know what? I am never prejudging a casting of a superhero movie again because yeah. you never know. People have talents in them you haven't seen before. That's why they're actors. And um, but but in general, for changing your mind, 
Yeah, well, I mean, I didn't know. People hated the idea of Heath Ledger, yeah. but you had already made that decision, so you didn't prejudge. But I remember, I don't think I made a, I don't think I had a call on it with one way or the other. I, 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 I always thought that I wanted to see Steve Buscemi as the Joker before, before they cast Heath Ledger. Um, and so when they announced Heath Ledger, it wasn't the way I was thinking, but I was like, eh, I don't know, maybe. But there was a lot of people who were upset about Heath Ledger as the Joker until we saw it. And I, I know that people love the Joaquin Phoenix uh, version. I think the Heath Ledger version's better. I think Joaquin I mean, Phoenix did a, a great performance. He, I mean, I don't feel like he played Batman's Joker. He played a character that was an amazing yeah. character study of what it was. But to me, other than being called Joker, it wasn't Batman's Joker. It's just a, a, an amazing character story of a man cracking. I agree. I also think, like, it's tough because in that one, um, you don't have any of the the or- orchestral chaos that you have from the Joker character. Because it's such an origin story. So you don't see him getting really fucking lucky that like you know all the different things that had to happen in in all the you know or just being able the mastermind he just was kind of a man losing his mind yeah, yeah. i mean and at the, it is, the last sequence in arkham if you believe it happens and you're not just watching another hallucination he's very jokery like he's got total control of the situation like joker should yeah. like in that last scene if that last scene is really happening but through the whole episode the whole movie half the things don't really happen. They're in his head. So who knows if that's even happening or if anything happened, it could all be in his head and he's just been in Arkham forever. Who knows? Right. Um, Um, I want to say, so I have two examples of when I learned not to prejudge stuff. And one of them will be Patreon exclusive. The other, this is back. We're not doing the Patreon exclusive now. The other. So anyway, so anyway, the other example of something is I remember going to I want to say it was Sam Goody when in the mall when I was in <laughs> Sam Goody's like, got it Sam 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 Goody Sam Goody Sam Goody's got it like twelve or thirteen years old going and I wanted to buy a CD but I didn't have like a specific CD in mind but I had enough money for a CD and my mom was going to let me buy a CD probably nothing parental advisory but I was still going to get a CD and my mom goes what do you think about this one I heard these guys are pretty good. And it was the bare, and she goes, they're called the bare naked ladies. And I was like, mom, I'm not going to listen to something called the bare naked ladies. And, <laughs> and, and I mean, I wouldn't listen to know, that if I had a million dollars. Yeah. I, I, do you catch by the way, the million, the episode a few weeks ago that we did about if we could retire, I called it, I would buy you a green dress, but not a gr- real not green a, dress. No, that's cruel. Yeah. Um, no, I, and I, I, I'm, I'm not a huge Bare Naked Ladies fan, but those three or four songs they have are awesome, and I love them. I like the ap- um, our old apartment. That's my favorite song of theirs. I think I know that one. I don't know if and it was it didn't come up when it's not a big hit, but it's one of my, it's. I really love it. That and yeah. they they did an ABC song that was really funny, an alternative ABC song, and it's all words yeah. where the first letter doesn't make the traditional sound that it makes. Like A is for aisle, like in a movie theater. Yeah, nice. I feel like I've heard a version of that, and I don't think I knew it was them. But, yeah. But in any case, your mom wanted you to buy some Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. God. Yeah. Um, so, but on the, in the more ethereal sense of changing your mind, I think it is a core precept of skepticism and um, and being a good skeptic to 
not only be able to change your mind, but to want to. Yeah. Like, like if you're begrudgingly changing your mind, you're doing too much work. Um, like my attitude that I actively had tried to foster in my adult life, like it wasn't a natural thing, but I worked really hard at it, is when I'm, especially in a confrontational debate situation, a, a disagreement about something factual, to get in the mindset of, I do not want to prove that I'm right. I want to test my theory, test my belief, test my knowledge, and find out if it's right. Right. And rather be less wrong tomorrow than I am today. So if I'm wrong, I want to know I'm wrong. So I want to change my mind and have a new opinion if it's justified to do so. Yeah. I'm not great about that. Um, I, I, yeah, it, I mean, it was be, an active I, journey to get there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, and I will say that there's like a lot of times where I, I am, I, I get there begrudgingly. I haven't gotten to the point where I'm trying, where I'm just like trying to find the real thing. I, I, I think that brain wise, I, I want to, but emotionally I, I'm not there yet. So like, there's a lot of celebrities where they just rub me the wrong way, whether it's like a little weird speech habit or whatever. And, and I will not like them. And then I'll listen to an interview or whatever. And I'll be like, they seem so likable. Uh, Russell Brand. I never liked his comedy. And then I heard him on WTF pod with Mark Marin, yeah. and they were just being themselves. And they were so funny that I loved him after that. And now I've seen him do some, stuff that i'm like he has lost his mind he's insane yeah so i've got it's a roller like coaster russell. with him <laughs> i like russell brand um i unfortunately he's taken the red pill i think uh with the woke stuff uh or not the woke stuff the anti-woke stuff like he's so into the anti-woke thing um and so he's lost a lot for me but it's funny that you've mentioned the mark Marin podcast because my big example that i think of is Sarah Jessica Parker, and I I did not like her because and, and for the arguably maybe the dumbest reason ever, um, but she was on the Mark Maron podcast and I listened to it and I was like she sounds so lovely and like and and like like a nice person like I would like to you know but this is the genuine reason why I did not like Sarah Jessica Parker for years years. If you watch the trailer for either the Sex and the City movie or the Sex and the Sex and the City sequel, whichever one they're in the desert for, mm-hmm. she says, "I don't know. I think we're not in Kansas anymore." But the way she delivers the line is so melodramatic, and I was like, "Fuck her! I hate her!" And it's it's stupid. It's really stupid reason. And and then I you know I listened to that podcast with Mark Maron, and I was like, "She sounds so nice." Like, she sounds like she'd be, like, a really cool person to hang out with. Sarah likes Sex in the City, so I saw some clips of the new show, and so it begins, or so it goes on, or whatever. And I was like, she's, you know, likable. And then I watched, I, I'm a big fan. Uh, it's one of my, one of the few Halloween things that I get into. I like... Um, Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus. And in the sequel, do you watch the sequel? Yep. I, the sequel wasn't amazing. I have but a it wasn't... daughter, of course, I watched Hocus Pocus yeah. sequel. It, the Hocus Pocus sequel wasn't amazing, but it was really good. It was, it was a good it was sequel. It was fun. And, and I was so happy that they gave her character more, and her character was my favorite part yeah. of that movie. Because I, I liked her in the first one, but they she wasn't really that famous yet, not compared to Bette Midler. And, and obviously, uh, Kathy Jimmy is the 
more comedic at, actress. at the time she, when the first movie came out she was at her peak yeah yeah and so like so sarah jessica parker was kind of the third third wheel and now she's like a big star so they had to give her more to work with and i was like they did such a good job with her and i you know i mean hopefully sarah doesn't listen to this episode so that she, i don't have to watch sex in the city but um, but yeah, I, so, like, uh, I like Sarah Jessica Parker now I, because I because I had a bad reason and I and it is diff, it was difficult. So you have to see. So my introduction to Sarah Jessica Parker was um, I don't know before you were born or when you were a toddler. Footloose. She wasn't in Footloose, was she? Yeah, she's the friend. No, the friend. I don't watch. She's I not the main. I girl. never watched Footloose. I don't. Know. I haven't watched. It. I should watch it one day. I'm gonna. But you it. gotta get loose. Footloose, yeah. but, but, kick off your Sunday But shoes. what she did do, she did a movie, and this is not where I was introduced to her, I already knew who she was. She did a movie either the, around the same time as Footloose called Girls Just Want to Have Fun. That was the same story as Footloose, but it was with two girls who like went in Catholic school, and they'd run out of school and turn their Catholic uniforms inside out so they look cool or whatever, or, you know, hike up their skirts and go to the dance club and dance. And you know, it, was all, it wasn't a town without dancing, but it was like they were in Catholic school and they weren't supposed to go out dancing at like the disco studio and they would go out. It was like 87, maybe, maybe earlier. But before Let that, me ask you a question she did a TV show called Square Pegs um, that lasted one or two seasons. It was the Big Bang Theory of its time. It was about like nerdy teenagers, um, the freaks and geeks of its time, if you would. And in it was the most beautiful woman that's ever lived, Jamie Gertz, the perfect woman. Love you, Jamie. We've said that before. Uh, but Sarah Jessica Parker was like the main star of it. I have, to, I ha- I have it on, on, on DVD, of course. I can lend it to you. Okay. Um, young Sarah Jessica. The 80s. Uh, quick question about the 80s. So, obviously, there's always been... Yes, we drank like from had... hoses. Leave me alone. No, I was going to say, there's always been like a... Uh, in Hollywood, there's been like a, oh, if that works, let's steal it kind of mentality. We've got, we had sky beams for 10 years in every fucking movie. But the '80s feel like they were just so much more blatant, and they're like, "We're not going to steal like an element. We're just going to steal a whole concept, and we will just tool it slightly different so that it's not illegal." <laughs> and so you got Mac and Mac and me, and what you just described for Footloose and E.T. Uh, e. and Mac because Mac and me, yeah. yeah. And and it feels like the '80s there was just Blue like, Thunder with Roy Schneider, and then the TV show Airwolf about a different helicopter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just feel like there was the '80s feels like the 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 prime time for like, oh, you know what? I really like uh, Back to the Future. I know, I can't think of an example. Well, Back to the Future is my favorite '80s movie, so I really like Back to the Future. What if we made a um, made it, but instead of a DeLorean, we used like a I don't know, like a uh, I can't think of another. Yeah, 80s you picked the one thing that nobody did. Nobody did that. Nobody messed with yeah. Back to the Future. But I don't. I don't think that the '80s is defined by that as much as. That's as far as you go back enjoying movies like that. Because, I mean, the 50s and 60s, the movies were all the same, too. Like, every Western was the same, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, okay. I mean, the 70s did it. I mean, it was happening in the 70s, in the late 70s, at least, because, you know, Star Wars came out right afterwards. Battlestar Galactica came out. You know, like, you know, they did the same kinds of things. Yeah. But the, the 80s did think... do it. The 80s probably did it a lot because they were the most movie studios. Like, before the 80s, there weren't yeah. as many movie studios. Like, things like Miramax and Touchstone and all these smaller studios grew up, exploded in the 80s. So there was more opportunity yeah. to do that. But yeah, TV shows well, we... were all the same. Like, you know, hey, look, Knight Rider's got a fancy car. So now uh, Magnum PI, and he drives over like a, a Porsche because, you know, he needs a fancy car. And then um, yeah. there's this other show where the guy just drives a race car. It has nothing to do with the fact that he solves crimes, but he drives a race car. Just do yeah. things in. 
Well, and I think like the '90s was defined by co- like not copying, but having the same answer a lot. Like the parallel thinking. I think that was the last mm-hmm. episode. I don't think that was earlier this episode, but the parallel thinking. Um, because you had Deep Impact and Armageddon, yep. but they both were in development like at the same exact yeah, time. Tombstone they were, and, and they... Wider came out within a couple months yeah. of each other. There's no way they. I mean, they could have copied each other in the fact of during pe- early pre-production, they heard someone else, another studio is doing this. Let's catch yeah. up and do it too. But they didn't yeah. see the final copy. Ants they and Bugs see, Life. They didn't see the final version to copy. Yeah, Ants and Bugs Life. Although I've heard Jeffrey Katzenberg was still at Disney when they started storyboarding Bugs yeah. Life. I'm saying they may have known that it was coming yeah. and it's like catch yeah. up. But there was a lot, there was like that parallel release kind of schedule. Yeah. And it was like, whichever one gets there first. I still don't know the difference you know. between The Illusionist and The Prestige. The two. I mean, I loved, I, I liked love, both movies, but I can't tell you which yeah. one had which plot. <laughs> I watched The Illusionist one time and I don't remember anything about it. It was Paul Giamatti? No, it was Edward Norton? If, if, if that's not The Prestige, then yes. <laughs> yes. Edward Norton was one of, no. Christian Bell was the other. I don't remember which Pre- is which. The Prestige I remember really well because I've watched it four or five times at least because I think that it is the Christopher Nolan masterpiece. I think that Bowie's in it. Of course it's good. It's that and Dark Knight are his two masterpieces. I also think um, the the World War II movie from a few years ago. Damn, why am I spacing on it? Um, Dunkirk. Is that World War I? No, that's World War II. Okay, I didn't watch so, it. Those three movies are are his masterpieces, and people know The Dark Knight, but the other two, like people don't know The Prestige that well compared to, uh, um, Inception, Inception Memento, or Memento, Interstellar. Memento is, was another early good one. Yeah, Memento's really yeah. good. Memento's like kind of a like that was you know obviously what got him his start, but but people with Christopher Nolan, I do feel like people like the two. That I would argue are his worst movies. Well, it's the two that he was big enough to get the biggest budget and do big, big fancy movies yeah. that you, you know people who don't watch the film but watch the movie like. Yeah. If you yeah. differentiate. Yeah. yeah, I remember. I, I mean, like Prestige and Illusionist like came out. I don't know if it was exactly the same time, but very similar. So two period pieces about magicians. It was just like <laughs> completely different, but this, but except there were yeah. two period pieces about magicians. Yeah, I. I remember seeing that. I, it had to be the same time ish because it, it was 2006 for The Illusionist. And it was 2006 for The Prestige. Yeah, I thought they came out right at the same time. That was uh, that was uh, the year that I was living in Denver. And I remember that. It was an interesting time for film. Anyway. Um, I don't even know yeah. want to talk about the subject anymore. Uh, I was going to say that there's a website I haven't been to in a long time, so I'm assuming it still exists, called lesswrong.org, I think it still exists. Um, that's like a really great um, skepticism, international skepticism web- website. Uh, let's see if, it's, if it exists. Oh, it, 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 it went to lesswrong.com, so I guess they got the .com at some point. And I believe it's the same thing. So it, um, yeah, it is. It's the same site. So lesswrong.com is a great primer on and and deep dive, real good essays and stuff, deep dive and skepticism. And that's, that's where I got the phrase was I, w- I want to be less wrong tomorrow than I 
Cam today. I kind of picked it up from them. I think it's a great description of what yeah. skepticism is, and uh, and the mindset for wanting to change your mind if you're wrong. I want to find out if I'm right or not, so I can change my mind and be more right. Yeah, I I have similarly like I know that a big thing is that we've all talked about you know, we've this phrase that we've all used in society, which is uh, nobody's perfect, nothing's perfect. And I always but practice makes like, perfect, but nobody's perfect. So why practice? Yeah, but I always just thought like we we're never going to achieve perfection, but we we can always w- keep improving. So it's the same as your last wrong. There's wrong. there's no secret to toast perfection. There's a dial on the side. You make your selection. Yay, toast! Jesus Christ! <laughs> Sorry, it's a little Haywood Banks song. Sorry, go look up Haywood Banks. He's wonderful. Yeah. Um, Yay, toast. So anyway, perfection is a journey, not a destination. Yeah, and I think that like we have to be open to to. Okay. Jesus Christ. Uh, I don't think I, that, I don't think he's real, frankly. I don't. Change my mind. Uh, I changed I my mind since the last episode. Yeah. Um, one vlog ago. One vlog ago. One vlog later. Um, I th- Go ahead. No, I was just going to sing my favorite Beatles song. Eight vlogs a week. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Anyway. Uh, so anyway. Um, no, I just think that like changing our mind is, is a really important piece of that improvement process. And it, it, I think this relates to, you know, I th- we've seen this a lot in politics and on the world stage where people don't want to apologize for anything anymore. Um, they don't want to take ownership over being wrong because there's some inherent shame or feeling, feeling of, of inferiority by being, by admitting that you're wrong and that people are, that people feel. And I never understood that because I eat shit all the time. No. Um, I feel like I'm constantly being proven wrong and like having to say, Oh, I was wrong. And, and I am obnoxious and I'm aware of that. So I do, when I'm proving someone else wrong, I'm, I am a fucking jackhammer about it. And I get that. But I also like, if you prove me wrong or you say something and I double check and I'm wrong, I will admit that I'm wrong. Usually I'll, you know, I'll couch it a little bit, but I'm, you know, I'm pretty good about admitting when I'm wrong on factual things. And and I don't feel ashamed to admit that. I, I want to get better at being less assertive with wrong ideas. I think that's an important thing. But ultimately, we need to focus on on being able to improve. And like, it's not. If, if you all of a sudden said something wrong and, and I proved it, I don't think less of you. So I don't understand. And maybe that's how... Because I actually think that my parents were really good about admitting that they were wrong and and my parents were good about changing their minds about stuff yeah i think that uh, a mistake in our culture is the expression it takes a big man to admit that he's wrong because it shouldn't take a big man to admit that he's wrong it should be everyone can admit that they're wrong like they set it up on a pedestal like it's a difficult thing to do like that implies it's hard to do it and that that shouldn't be our mindset no it should not can i quote the great poet tim minchin Yes, absolutely. You know, who said, you show me that it works and how it works. And when I've recovered from the shock, I will take a compass and carve. Fancy that on the side of my cock. (laughs) 
Nice. And that was uh, specifically about the, uh, homeopathy, but but his his skepticism thing. Like, if you can prove to me that it works, then great. Yeah. And that's from the beat poem Storm, which um, I quoted jokingly in the vows I did for my son when my puppet was marrying them for their third time. And my son actually quoted the same poem in his vows to his wife. Nice. Do you, do you think that the resistance to changing our minds is a lot of ideas that we have, especially, you know, we're not religious, but a lot of ideas that people have seem to be central to who they feel they are. And by admitting that you're wrong about something, you're admitting that who you are is faulty in some way. Like, I'm not talking well, about, like... I mean, if you look psychologically, if we delve into cognitive dissonance, the, the phenomena, not the podcast, you know, that is the phenomena that if you sincerely and deeply hold a belief and that belief is challenged, your body, your brain interprets that as a pain sensation and rejects it. You know, where they did studies where they would do simple math problems and the people taking the simple math test could get the math problems with no problem, you know, like percentages and stuff and which is greater, which is less. And then they'd say to like a conservative, well, we did studies and it showed that 80% of people think abortion is hunky-dory great and 20% think it's negative or whatever the num these numbers are, they do fake stuff. And they give them the same math problems with that data and the conservatives couldn't do the math problems that they were able to do when it was genericized. And then like with liberals, they did the same thing, but let's say on gun violence, and they gave them statistics that they would not want. You know, people are safer when they have guns. Shooting people is a good thing, whatever. And then when they, they couldn't do the math problems because their brain literally would not accept the data, would not do logical computations when it was being challenged with beliefs it didn't want to believe. That makes and sense. So that's, so that's definitely ingrained in us to, yeah. to, to not want to change your, your opinion. And I don't know what the... Uh, if that if there's a uh, evolutionary thing to that, you know, being able to, you know, once you think there's a, there's something dangerous in the woods, don't say, nah, never mind, there's probably not something dangerous, and those people got eaten more often because it's better to yeah. think there's something dangerous and be wrong than think there's not something dangerous and be wrong. I don't know if that's it or, but it's definitely there's a it's a psychological thing that you have to work to be out of sometimes because uh, or just don't don't hold anything that dearly that you that you refuse to listen to other data on. That makes sense. Yeah. I want to also pull the quote of you saying shooting people is a good thing and just yeah. put it on like a yeah, remix it. For my wife and daughter. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah. That, I think that makes sense that there is because the, cause it would explain why even even though I was raised in a in a way that I think I'm good at admitting when I'm wrong compared to the average person, it's not comfortable or fun. There is a discomfort to it. So I get that aspect, I guess. And so that might be a more uh, evolutionary thing than a you know, nature versus nurture. So I mean, or that it could be nurture. It could be that something about our upbringing creates that cognitive dissonance situation too and like say religion is a good example because it's like you know, i always say you can be an atheist without being a skeptic you can still believe in a million bad things you know just because you got one question right but it's hard to be a good skeptic and not be an atheist eventually because if you start applying skepticism to magic it goes away 
And um, so religion certainly is the opposite of skepticism and has to teach you believe this no matter what, you know, no matter what your senses tell you, no matter what evidence tells you, you have to believe this. So there is a hardcore training yourself out of changing your mind. Yeah. By the way, you just thought you said something that made me think of um, something. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, always praying. Like I'm getting like phone calls like crazy right now. Um, there was an episode of, of Paul's podcast that we talked, he and I talked about doing that we've never done that I think might be really fun to do with you and him. Um, and it would make more sense on his podcast probably than ours. Uh, but it just made me think of it, which was I, a thing that I've always found interesting that I wanted to talk about in, in pop culture is the idea of we, when, when writers are writing pop culture or writing sci-fi or fantasy or anything else, they put an atheist with real world rules into a world without real world rules. Uh-huh. And so you get like Han Solo and I, and the Han Solo is the, is an example that I would say is just, I don't believe it, in the force while he's levitating stuff. Yeah. Like I, I think the Han Solo example is kind of like, there's enough inconsistency I love Star Wars. Star Wars is one of my favorite franchises, but there's enough inconsistency that I don't take it that seriously. But you do get like, you know, like uh, I'm trying to think if it was Tony Stark or who, you know, and you're like, you know, at the if Tony Stark's a full on atheist, it doesn't make any sense after you've met Thor, and it's just like, oh, like literally the the laws of physics that govern us that have created skeptical atheists in our real world don't apply in that in those worlds but you're putting skeptical real world atheists into that world and the marvel universe is messed up because they have you know early on thor was like i'm just an alien who's more powerful and lives longer we you know you call it magic and we call it you know they call it science we we call it the same thing and then the later ones oh no he's full-on magic you know (laughs) and even like dr strange like the first dr strange their magic was very much following rules so energy we didn't know as scientists but really yeah. and then in, and but then like in the thor in, in um thor uh, ragnarok dr strange like snap his fingers there's there's beer snap his fingers there's this like he wasn't doing the magic he was taught in the first movie like they marvel movie universe changed their position they went from science yeah. that looks like magic to magic like <laughs> in the course of the movies yeah i think like uh... It kind of actually applies right now is the idea of yeah. an atheist in that situation would change their mind. A a Christian or a, Judea, uh, a Jewish person or any, any other religion would not necessarily change their mind because they're believing something without real world evidence to some to whatever degree. And so so if the existence of Doctor Strange does not nullify the existence of Jesus or yeah, the, old, or, the old Testament is full of magic. You know, yeah. Moses fights against Pharaoh's magicians to prove he's more powerful. There's other gods in the old Testament. Yeah. God is just more powerful than them. Yeah. And I think that that is part of the issue like that I see in that structure is when you're writing, and I'm assuming that these are most likely reasonable religious people, people who are vaguely religious that are writing these things because i don't think an atheist would write it that way um but they're i also don't think that they're trying to be condescending to atheists or like or or straw manning atheists they're just do they're just saying 
oh, well, I think we all, when presented with evidence, would have a different feeling, or or, or we would all believe our beliefs, and, and this is a belief system, you know, the, the idea that atheism is a belief system, or a religion, and so in, in keeping with that, they're like, well, I wouldn't stop believing in Jesus, so why would they stop being an atheist? And it's like, because the whole, if you're doing it, if you're doing, like you said before, if you're being a skeptic correctly, or as thoroughly as possible, you'll change your mind is the big difference between a lot of, a lot of skeptics and a lot of atheists, not obviously yeah. everybody. It's, it's funny because it's a lot of religious, people. a lot of times in movies that where magic is real, but there are skeptics about magic, doesn't it? Your religion, your myth, magic or ghosts or whatever, the supernatural, yeah. the difference between like reality and that is in those movies, the supernatural things happen. Yeah, it was yeah, like exactly. the things are actually happening. So yeah, why would you be a skeptic about it when it's happening versus real life where you hear stories that it happened but nobody has a picture, nobody is really experiencing it. And uh, yeah. yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. That's, that's always a fun topic. But I think it's always it's, it's funny that you have to go out your way in your Christian movie to make miracles happen to prove it's true that don't happen in real life. I'm like, like you're you're giving up what you really believe when in your fictional version a miracle happens. The person dying suddenly jumps out of bed perfectly healed. That doesn't happen in hey, real life because it's different. Before Okay, Grandpa Joe in Willy Wonka. But before the invention of science and and photographic evidence and video evidence, there were a lot of miracles happening real world. Sure. I don't know why they stopped, but um Angels are I, shy, they don't want their picture taken. Yeah. I think we've been going for 45 minutes. Ah, oh, you sound like my wife. Yeah. It's starting to, it's starting to just rub. Rub me the wrong way. Um, yeah. Um, so I think maybe we should wrap it up because I'm getting hungry and it's our second record of the night. What do you think? Yeah, we're going to go out to Peak of the Vine, a little wine bar in downtown Apex and grab some food from one of the restaurants nearby because they don't have food at Peak of the Vine. But you can bring food we'll probably sit outside have some wine maybe out they also have beer i'll have beer i'll have wine we'll eat some food from somewhere in beautiful downtown apex parked in the nice big free parking lot of apex and have a wonderful time come visit apex that's my plug come to downtown apex visit us it's it's the peak of north carolina it is the peak of good living and it was like number one small town to live in in america numerous times in money magazine numerous times i like to think of it as republican carry but okay Oh, we're one-third Democrat, one-third Republican, one-third um, unaffiliated. Our entire town council and our mayor are all Democrats. So it used Good. to be all Republican, and over the last 10 years, it changed. Good. And all right, we like to think of ourselves as carry light, one-third the snobbery. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. So, anyway. Um, yeah. It, you have anything you want to plug? I just plugged. Come to Apex. Yeah, Come to my good. town. So I'll plug our YouTube channel is, you know, just go to YouTube and, and look up talking about the big stuff. You, you'll see our big orangey red logo. Um, if you if you are enjoying the show and you want to get it a little early and you want to hear some of the naughty bits that we cut out. Ooh, naughty uh, bits. Naughty bits. Uh, go to patreon.com backslash talking about the big stuff. And not, not um, the world's best big stuff. No, not world's big, best big stuff. Okay. Uh, and, and you can subscribe It's it's $3 a month right now. Um, that gets you, like I said, 
It gets you the, the Friday show on Monday, and it gets you just audio version. Right now, we're not doing video, but if if we get enough patron uh, patrons, we will. Um, it also gets you uh, like it, like we said before, the naughty bits. Like you'll be able to hear Matthew's definition of churd. And <laughs> My definition what, of churd. It's the definition of okay. churd. You'll also be able to hear whatever the stuff was that I said earlier uh, from the the when I said patronics. Uh, I, I think exclusive. it's about I think it's about Timex watches. Something about taking a licking and keeping on ticking. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So, anyway, if you want to uh, if you want to to support the show, you could do that. You could also uh, please give us a, a rating on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, if it's on, if you're watching on YouTube, thumbs up, please. And oh, um, thanks for talking about the big stuff with us. Hope we changed your mind. That was that was the worst one. Well, you, 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 I wasn't ready for it because I was thinking about it, but then you I, pointed at me and it's YouTube, and I thought you were going to say subscribe and ring the bell for notifications, and but no, you just change, jumped right into pointing at me. Change my big stuff. Anyway. All right. Thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody.